And Lysander says, Why should he stay whom love, why should he stay whom love doth, I can't read today. Mm. I think this happened last time we were doing act three. It's just a hard act to read. It's a lot of like snappy dialogue. Yeah. He says, why should he stay whom love, He says, why should he stay whom love doth... <laughs> this, is, this is where we stop, and I just can't do it. This is where the show ends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's our last episode. Yeah. <laughs> this is it, folks. We're, we're wrapping it up. We just get, we're just going to get past that line. <laughs> we want to take a little break. Yeah, let's yeah. take a break. Um, she's in love with the with the the donkey ha- head guy, mm-hmm. and um, there T- was something Titania. major. Yeah, there was something major that happened the last time. It's gone. Yeah, the we, last time we hit the big climax of the play, where all four lovers kind of met up in the woods. Right. Sweet meats and little cutie. Right. Sweetmeats is now racist. He doesn't like little cutie anymore. He's, he's under the racist potion. He's under the racist potion. He's now in love with tall, fair Helena. And so is Demetrius, because he's under the potion. It right. didn't make him racist, obviously. Side effects may include racism. Oh, maybe it did make him racist, but he's just like, he's not talking about it. He's like a quiet racist. Yeah. He just thinks it. He's like, those people. Right. And then um, and the donkey head. Yeah, so all four lovers got into a big fight last time. You remember that? Kind of. Okay, so what was happening was Helena was there, Mm -hmm. and Lysander and Demetrius were both falling over themselves in love with Helena. Right. Helena thinks that they're all against her, right? That Lysander and Demetrius and Hermia are all kind of plotting against her to make fun of her. She can't think of any other reason why all these men would be suddenly after her. She's not on the drugs, right? She's not on the drugs. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Sometimes you could take drugs and you think that everybody's against you. Yes. Yeah. Helena doesn't believe it because both Lysander, she thinks, is in love with Hermia. Right. Demetrius just recently hated her and abandoned her in the woods to be eaten by animals after kind of like vaguely threatening to rape her. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Then Hermia shows up, lured by the noise that they made, and Helena started to think that Hermia was in on the plot too, or mm-hmm. else why would Lysander, her lover, be wooing Helena, mm-hmm. right? It didn't make any sense to her, so she got paranoid. Right. Hermia decides that Helena stole Lysander away from her because she's tall. Remember, they, they were kept insulting her height and insulting her race. Right. The love potion made Lysander a bit racist, and he right. loves tall, fair Helena. The side effects of the potion of racism and height discrimination. Yeah. Yes. 
And the two women went at it. They had a cat fight. Demetrius and Lysander went into the woods to sword fight. It was just chaos. This is kind of what happens in the woods with love, right? When you don't have rules. If you remember at the beginning of the play, the rules were the thing they were fleeing from. Mm -hmm. The rules of Athens dictated that Lysander couldn't marry Hermia, that Hermia had to marry Demetrius. Right. So they fled from that to the woods to go live outside of the Athenian law. But in the woods, love is incredibly chaotic. It's very difficult. The characters are falling in love with one another, hating one another. And then eventually at the end of Act 3, everybody's fighting. Hermia and Helena are fighting. Lysander and Demetrius are dueling. And Oberon, what he did was he kind of saw all this, realized that Puck had fucked everything up. And he said, make a magical fog and lead them around in the woods and, you know, until they go to sleep. And then we've got to put the remedy on Lysander so he falls back in love with Hermia. Right. We've got to leave Demetrius love-juiced so that he stays in love with Helena. And then he says when they wake up, it's going to just seem like a bad dream. They're going to wake up. They're going to be in love with the right person. We've got two nice couples. Mm-hmm. You know, pit-pat, everything's done. Puck led them all around in the dark. They all fell asleep, and that's where they kind of leave them. All four lovers are asleep on the stage. Yeah, you got to wear them out first. Yeah, you ran them around the woods a little bit. Right. Then they all go like, I'm tired, and they, they go to sleep. So all four lovers are sleeping on the stage. The other plot that was going on was, remember, Oberon wanted his wife to fall in love with an animal so he can get the Indian boy. Right. Yeah. And that that went off perfectly. She fell in love with Nick Bottom with the donkey head on him. Right. Which was Puck's doing when he came upon them rehearsing in the woods. Yep. So right now, Titania is in love with ass-headed Nick Bottom. Yeah. The thespian. That's dope. And that's where we left them. Remember, she gave him four little fairies to be his attendants? Right. He's going to use those as like a crew member's lighting. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. The fairies can help his one-man show. Yeah, I would have one of them run lighting. I would have the other one be in charge of, like, ushering and concessions. Walnuts. And, yeah, and then I would have, um, so you got the lighting people, somebody in charge of the music, and then... Wardrobe. Um, oh, yeah. That's where we left everything. So now we've got the four lovers asleep on the stage, and we're in Act 4. Everything's kind of over now. The, mm-hmm. the play climax is in the middle. Really, watching everybody run around in the woods at night was most of the fun. Right. And most of the comedy. You can't keep track of them. There's these four people falling in and out of love with one another. Mm. It's, I think, in Shakespeare's mind, it's the wilds of love. It's love without any rules. And it doesn't work out that well. No. We fled from the rules of Athens, but in the woods... It's just chaos Mm. because you didn't account for the fairies and for the unpredictable nature of love and the fact that love distorts the perception. Right. So Titania's in love with an ass-headed guy. And now he doesn't have – that's still his wife, though. Who, Oberon? Yeah. Yeah, that's his wife. Right. They're fairies, though. I think they're non-monogamous. Right. I think they're living the fairy life. Amen. It, it hinted earlier in the play that they kind of take mortal lovers. Mm-hmm. But I think when they take mortal lovers, what they really mean is they make those mortals fall in love. And they kind of like watch. It's sort of like fairy pornography. Like they watch the humans 
And they go like, oh, I'm going to, I like this one. I'm going to make him fall in love. Hmm. And they just watch it. Yeah. And they, until they die. Yeah. They, they live a long time probably. Sure. They, they watch humans fall in love and beat off in the fairy right. realm. Right, right, right. That's what they do during the day is what you're saying. I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to talk about that a little bit today. We skipped a little something before. Mm. Puck had said to Oberon, like, it's almost daytime. They've, remember, this is a Midsummer Night's Dream, so all this is happening at night in the woods. Right. Puck said at one point, hey, it's almost daytime. We got to go. There's this Im- Oberon kind of spoke back at that moment, and we skipped this moment, saying, eh, you know, sometimes I do shit almost until dawn. But there is this implication that the fairies are only active at night. Right. When the light, when that's the magical time, the right, time of right. the moon, the time when feminine energy is in power. And then they go into like little tiny, tiny coffins. Yeah. Like, like vampires. Yes. Yeah. Puck actually mentioned that. He mentioned all the vampires and zombies and shit going back to the graveyard. He's like, we fairies got to go away. Oh, the vampires and zombies are a part of this Shakespeare universe? Yeah. Here, I could, I could read you the spot that Robin says this. He says... This is back in Act 3, Scene 2. He's talking to Oberon, and he says, My fairy lord, this must be done with haste. This is He's referring to um, Puck leading them around in the dark and him going to get his Indian boy. Puck says, My fairy lord, this must be done with haste, for night's swift dragons cut the clouds full fast, and yonder shines Aurora's harbinger, at whose approach ghosts wandering here and there troop home to churchyards. Damned spirits all that in crossways and floods have burial, already to their wormy beds are gone, for fear lest day should look their shames upon. Hmm. So he was saying, hey, it's almost daytime. All the ghosts and damned spirits are going back to their graves. He says, they willfully themselves exile from light and must for I consort with black-browed night, like must forever consort with night. Hmm. So just like the ghosts and spirits, the fairies are only out at night. Though Oberon said, but we are spirits of another sort. I, with the morning's love, have oft made sport. And like a forester that groves may tread, even till the eastern gate all fiery red, opening on Neptune with fair blessed beams, turns into yellow gold his salt green streams. Mm. So he's, he was just saying, I kind of, I party right until dawn, was what Oberon was saying there. Right. And then at the end, he said, but notwithstanding haste, make no delay. We may affect this business yet ear day. That's why I skipped that part. It's just kind of like, it's one of these little asides that I, I don't really think make much of a difference. They were just saying, it's almost day. It's almost day. And they spend a while talking about it. Right.
So now it's scene one of act four. We're still in the wood. The lovers are all asleep on the stage. Enter Titania, the queen of the fairies, with Bottom still wearing the donkey head. Mm. And his little fairy attendants, peas, blossom, cobweb, moth, and mustard seed. And it says, enter the king behind them. So Oberon comes in behind them. He's watching his wife consort with this ass-headed guy. Mm. I'm assuming he's invisible. Remember, that's one of his powers. Right. Because they don't really interact with him. And Titania is just doting on bottom still. She says, Come, sit thee down upon this flowery bed while I thy amiable cheeks do coy, and stick musk roses in thy sleek smooth head, and kiss thy fair large ears, my gentle joy. She wants to kiss his donkey ears. Mm -hmm. That's what you do. Yeah. They like that. Little donkey ear kiss. Yeah, give him a little scratch. Yeah, they get all, they get all happy. Bottom says, where's Peas Blossom? And Peas Blossom is like, ready. You know, he jumps, jumps to, and Bottom goes, scratch my head, Peas Blossom. Where's Monsieur Cobweb? Cobweb is like, ready. And he goes, Monsieur Cobweb, good Monsieur, get your weapons in your hand and kill me a red-hipped humblebee on top of a thistle. And good Monsieur, bring me the honey bag. So, so he wants him to cut the organ out of this thing. Yeah, yeah, I think. He, right. he wants honey from a bee. The thing that I think is funny here is that Bottom is so dumb. He's trying to, like, affect civility, so he's calling all the fairies Monsieur. Like, right. he thinks that to be high class, you have to make believe you're French. So he's right. like, where is Monsieur Cobweb? And he, he keeps saying, like, good Monsieur, will you please? Right, right. Well, that's how you do it. Yeah, then he goes, where's Monsieur Mustard Seed? Mustard Seed, he tells to help Cobweb scratch his head. So mm. he's just being attended upon by the fairies. Right, but he's also put a hit out on a bee. Yeah, and he's put a hit on, out on a bee. And an organ transplanting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, remove situation. the honey bag. Remove the honey bag is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just go... To the what is it a honeycomb? What is it a the hive? hive. Yeah. Go to the hive. Yeah, that's where they keep it. Yeah. Well, let's look. Let's. He says, "Kill me a red-hipped humblebee on top of a thistle," and good Monsieur, bring me the honey bag. Yeah, I guess it's from the bee. Right. It makes more sense to go to the the nest. Yeah, and he's going after a red-hipped one. Yeah. Which means that like he's. It's it's a very specific. He's trying to wipe out. The red-hipped ones. Yeah, this is a bee genocide. Bee genocide. And mass organ removal. Yeah. Titania says to him, What, wilt thou hear some music, my sweet love? And Bottom says, I have a reasonable good ear in music. Let's have the tongs and the bones. Mm. He's, he's referring to super primitive instruments. Like, I think it's like triangles and clackers. He's like, yeah, get, get some music. Get some triangles in here. Right. You know, some clackers. Tongs and bones. Tongue, the tongs and the bones. That's right. what Bottom thinks is good music. Yeah. And she says, or say, sweet love, what thou desirest to eat. And Bottom says, truly a peck of provender. Provender would be like food. He says, I could munch your good dry oats. Methinks I have a great desire to a bottle of hay. Good hay, sweet hay, hath no fellow. Right, because he's got a donkey head. Yeah, he, he, he's yeah, like, yeah, can, yeah. You, can you shark up some hay for me? You know what it is? I was introduced to this guy in one form. And so when I hear his name, I still have to remind myself he's got a donkey head. Yeah. yeah. Titania offers him nuts. She says, I have a venturous fairy that shall seek the squirrel's hoard and fetch thee off new nuts. And Bottom shakes his head. He's like, 
I'd rather have a handful or two of dried peas. Mm. Uh, but I pray you, let none of your people stir me. I have an exposition of sleep come upon me. And Titania says, sleep thou, I will wind thee in my arms. Fairies be gone, and be always away. Exunt the fairies. They send cobweb, moth, peas blossom, and mustard seed to go do whatever. Right. And they go to sleep together. She wraps her arms around Bottom. And now we have the four lovers and Bottom and Titania all asleep on the stage. She's full-sized. Yeah, the dimensions are kind of uh, suspect. I think fairies are or, or circumspect. I, I think fairies are as big as they need to be. Okay. I think she's human-sized. I think so, too. To, to, to give a donkey-headed man any type of comfort, mm-hmm. you'd need bigger yeah. arms. Yeah. Yeah. Or else you'd just be, like, hugging on his ear. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, holding a portion of the neck. Right. Hanging on to his tail. Yeah. I picture the other fairies. I picture peas blossom, cobweb, moth, and mustard seed. I picture them as little. Yeah, they're tiny. Right, because they're like they're going to kill a bee, and some of the other fairies crawled into acorn cups. So I think a lot of the fairies are tiny. They're fast. By this point in the play, they've massacred like an entire yeah population of bees mm-hmm. and bats. And bats. And the, are they harvesting any organs from the bats? Their Just wings. The wings. Yeah, they're harvesting bat wings. Right, right. So they're sleeping, and Puck comes in. Enter Robin Goodfellow. Remember, Oberon is kind of standing here watching all this happen. We've got everybody asleep on the stage. Oberon's ready to put things right. Remember, right from the beginning, Oberon has wanted to... He wanted Helena and Demetrius to be in love the right way. He didn't think it was right for Helena to be chasing after Demetrius. Right. That's an inversion of the natural order. Women aren't supposed to chase men, as Helena pointed out before. He wanted to make it so Demetrius was chasing her. Right, daytime he, style. Yeah, daytime style, exactly. Yep. He has this masculine drive to order things and for things to obey the proper rules. Oberon is there, and as Robin Goodfellow enters, he comes forward and says, Welcome, good Robin. Seest thou this sweet sight? Her dotage now I do begin to pity. Her dotage now I do begin to pity. Like watch, you know, watching his wife hug onto this donkey man, he begins to pity her. Mm. He says, for meeting her of late behind the wood, seeking sweet favors for this hateful fool, I did upbraid her and fall out with her. Mm. He ran into his wife. He now describes, she's like decorating his head with flowers, and it's almost like an embarrassment. This guy is so ugly. He can't bear to see his wife doting on this guy. Boning a donkey-headed man. Right. Right. It bothers him now that he's looking at it. Yeah. I, I mean, sometimes you do things... In the heat of the moment, there's a little bit of emotional decision-making. And then when everything comes down, you're like, maybe I shouldn't have done this to my marriage. Yeah. Yeah. After he describes, you know, how disgusted he was seeing her put flowers on his head, he says, When I had at my pleasure taunted her, and she in mild terms begged my patience, I then did ask of her her changeling child, that's the Indian boy, Mm -hmm. which straight she gave me. And her fairy sent to bear him to my bower in fairyland, and now I have the boy. Right. So that's the end. That's kind of the last time we mentioned the Indian boy. He was just a plot device. Right. She's so in love with Bottom. He went. He, take the kid. Yeah. She's like, take him. And now a fairy is escorting him to fairyland to get on his horse. He's going to be in. The Indian boy winds up in Oberon's train at the end of this thing. It's a bummer for him, though. The mm-hmm. whole thing's a bummer for him. Yeah. Because then what, his mom died? Yeah, his mom died. Right, and then and then he has this new mother figure. 
Right, now he's getting stripped from her. Right, who's just like, I don't even give a fuck about this guy because I got my donkey guy. Mm -hmm. And that's all that matters to me. And now he's got to hang out with the guy who set up the donkey situation. Mm -hmm. not, a, not a good ending for him. No. Yeah. No, if, if it's a tragedy for anyone, it's a tragedy for the Indian boy. Yeah. He was a prince? Uh, no, I don't think he was a oh, prince. Oh, yeah. I think I put that together because of that vice story I've I seen. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the Indian boy belonged to a votress of Titania's order, so a human female who worshipped her. Mm -hmm. And when that human female died in childbirth, Titania took the baby to rear him in fairyland. Mm -hmm. And that's why she wouldn't give him up. Right. Oberon has said he has the boy. He says, and now I have the boy. I will undo this hateful imperfection of her eyes. Mm. So I'll take the love potion off. And gentle Puck, take this transformed scalp from off the head of this Athenian swain, that he, awaking when the other do, may all to Athens back again repair and think no more of this night's accidents, but as the fierce vexation of a dream. She call, he called him a swain? Mm-hmm. What's a swain? Um, I don't know. Huh. Take this transformed scalp from off the head of this Athenian swain. So he wants to take the donkey head off this guy. So he wakes up when the other guys wake up and they can all go back to Athens. And they're going to think of this night, he says, as the fierce vexation of a dream. Mm. Right? They're, they're in a magical fairy sleep. Right. But then to, to Tanya, she's beat. Like she don't, she don't have a donkey man anymore. And then she don't have the kid anymore. She just wakes up with nothing. Right. Right. He squeezes the antidote on her eyes right now. Oh, here we go with the squeeze. So, so this is her waking up. Right. Oberon squeezes the antidote onto Tanya's eyes, and she awakens and says, My Oberon, what visions have I seen? Methought I was enamored of an ass. Yep, you were. Oberon says, There lies your love. Because mm. she, she's lying right next to him. Right. She turns and she sees him and says, How came these things to pass? Oh, how mine eyes do loathe his visage now. Yeah, she don't like him. Mm-mm. Oberon says, silence a while. She, she's really, she's good now. He can just be like, quiet. Yeah. Stop talking, please. Robin, take off this head. Titania, music call and strike more dead than common sleep of all these five the scents. Right. So I'm waiting to see if, if they behead, they just behead him or... Or if they just change it back. She summons music to strike all these five, meaning everybody asleep on the stage, bottom and the four lovers, mm -hmm. um, more dead than common sleep. So they're in like fairy anesthesia now. Right. Um, completely, completely out. And the music plays. Robin goes to bottom and just take, it just says removing the ass head. So like he magics the ass head off of them. Removing the asset is a wonderful, that's like a rec, that's a good record. Yeah. yeah. It says to bottom comma, removing the ass head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's going to be released like next Friday. Nick bottom. What is it? <laughs> removing <laughs> the, <laughs> removing the ass head. Yeah. That's a good yeah. It record. sounds like a hip hop record. Yeah, that's a good record. It's, I, yeah. I mean, it sounds like a, I thought it was like a folk record. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nick yeah. I can see that. Removing the ass head. Removing the it's ass got him head. with an acoustic guitar on the cover. Yeah. Puck says, now when thou wakest with thine own fool's eyes, peep. So when you wake up, you'll see with your own fool eyes. Fool ass eyes. 
And Oberon says, Sound music, come my queen, take hands with me, and rock the ground whereon these sleepers be. That's cool. Yeah, he takes his wife's hand and they do like a fairy dance on the stage. Yeah, exactly. That's what I imagine. They start swing dancing. He's twirling her around. That's good stuff. This is, we were talking at the beginning of the play about how things happen on different dimensional levels in this play. Right. When Titania and Oberon dance, when they swing dance together, we're seeing the union of the masculine and feminine energies, right? Swinging, baby. The yang and the yin, <laughs> the sun and the moon. Yeah. The rules and the disorder. And so masculine and feminine are now together in the forest. The, mm-hmm. the principles have joined. Because those principles were out of whack before, remember, climate change was happening. Right. And everything we've been watching in the woods, we can assume all this disorder in the world, this chaos, is because in fairyland, on that higher dimensional level, Titania is not listening to her husband. Mm. Right? Men and women are not aligned in fairyland. Now they're aligned in fairyland. They're dancing. So we'll get to see, once the fairies get together, what happens on Earth. Oberon and Titania are dancing, right. uniting the masculine and feminine. It's nice. Oberon announces, Now thou and I are new in amity, and will tomorrow midnight solemnly dance in Duke Theseus's house triumphantly, and bless it to all fair prosperity. Mm. So tomorrow midnight, they're going to dance in the Duke's house right. when he gets married. Mm-hmm. There shall the pairs of faithful lovers be wedded with Theseus all in jollity. And Robin says, Fairy king, attend and mark. I do hear the morning lark. There he goes. Yeah, it's, it's the morning lark. They've got to go. Oberon says, Then my queen, in silence sad, trip we after night's shade. We the globe can compass soon, swifter than the wandering moon. They can just kind of follow night. They've got to go someplace else because it's daytime. Oh, time zones. Mm-hmm. They're changing time zones, I think. Right. And then the other guys, they just, they'll turn to dust or something if Mm -hmm. they get hit by the light right fairy dust fairy dust dope titania says come my lord and in our flight tell me how it came this night that i sleeping here was found with these mortals on the ground so oberon has some splaining to do now she's like can you explain to me how i was sleeping here next to a donkey remember before she started talking about it and he was just like silence woman yeah and let's dance yeah oh yeah that's how you do it um yeah, he still has to. He still has to work that out. What's yeah. he gonna say? 
and um that's gonna happen off camera right we're oh, gonna yeah it, off camera oberon is gonna explain everything to titania that's not cool man they should have at least put that in for us yeah um, how he gets out of this one and the boy he's just where's the boy again in oberon's train right he's riding a horsey with the other fairy knights oh which is pretty badass but he's bigger he's going to be bigger than everybody right he's it's going to be an elf situation like elf yeah and then you let him loose in in uh, in new york in new york and shit <laughs> he eats all the old gum yeah. yeah that's the really that's the play we wanted to see this whole time is the indian boy and what happens to him him growing up in fairyland and returning to humanity right for my money, that's what Shakespeare should have focused on. Yeah. Mm. Oberon to Tanya and Puck leave. Right. And there's a horn. And Theseus comes with Hippolyta and Aegeus, Hermia's dad, and his train. Mm. The cosmic masculine and feminine principle, the king and queen of the fairies, have exited. And now we see our, like, we're transversing dimensions here. Now we see the king and queen of the earthly realm, the duke and Hippolyta, who he's going to marry. Remember, Theseus is like our Superman, and Hippolyta is like Wonder Woman. Right. They're, they're the most powerful humans that we have, are examples of human love correctly ordered per, as per the law. Right. Which was Theseus conquered Hippolyta's right. civilization, subjugated her people, and then brought her back. Right. POW. Right. She's a POW. And Theseus is going to explain why they're here in the woods. Mm -hmm. and, and why they're here with Aegeus, I don't know. Like, Aege Hermia's dad is just kind of, like, chilling with them. Right. They had to bring him along. Right. Theseus says, go, one of you, find out the forester, for now our observation is performed. Mm. His, our observation is an observation of May 1st. This is May Day, or um, I think in, in witchy terms, I think it's called uh, Beltane. Beltane's dope. What does that mean? <laughs> this is May. It's the beginning of summer. This is a European celebration. Beltane. This is where people would have maypoles, which oh. I think we discussed a little bit. Um, they would dance around the maypole. Right. Beltane. I like that name for a, a dog. Or a metal band. Yeah. What do they do on that holiday again? I'm sorry. There's a stick. <laughs> There's a stick. Yeah, they dance around the maypole. Traditionally, Europeans would celebrate the beginning of summer on May 1st. And when Theseus says, for now, our observation is performed, they're observing a May morning. Basically, mm -hmm. you went out in the woods and you went like, ah, oh, summer begins. There's some timing problems in this play. Mm -hmm. Number one, kind of being pointed out right here, it's not midsummer. No. No. Mm. Midsummer would be the summer solstice. Oh which is like June 20th, June 21st. Midsummer's in the middle of summer. Theseus is saying right here, they're observing a morn of May. Mm. So it, it's really May 1st. It's not even summer yet. Who's the forester again? You got to bring in a forester. Yeah, they're trying to find the forester because he's saying, now that their observation's performed, I'm going to do some hunting. He says, and since we have the vanguard of the day, my love shall hear the music of my hounds. Uncouple in the Western Valley. Let them go. Dispatch, I say, and find the forester. He sends a guy off. And the hounds are going to start singing? He wants, yeah, well, he thinks the sound of his hunting hounds is beautiful, baying in the woods. Yeah. He, he wants his lover, Hippolyta, to hear the beautiful music of his hounds. 
They actually, we're going to skip it. They actually talk about his hounds quite a bit here. The only important note is his. he says his hounds are Spartan. They're Spartan dogs. Oh, he got those from the other side of the country. Yeah. Yeah. And they've got this great music that he wants uh, Hippolyta to hear. Spartan dogs are like are like beaten when they're young, right? Mm-hmm. Is that how that works? Yeah, they're tough. Yeah. Yeah, they used to beat beat the Spartan boys, beat the shit out of them to make them uh, warriors or whatever. Yeah. I thought that was just in the movie. Spartans were a legendarily tough culture. Yeah. Sounds abusive. Yeah. yeah. They had this incredibly martial culture. And they, I, I remember reading somewhere that they took, like, especially good care of their hair. Like, all the soldiers would sit there combing their hair together before a battle. Right, right. They wanted to look good. Yeah. Theseus is here with Hippolyta and with Aegeus. They're talking about his dogs. And he stops at some point and says, but soft, what nymphs are these? Mm-hmm. He's pointing to everybody asleep on the stage. Right. They've kind of wandered in. They're like, where are all these people sleeping? Mm-hmm. And Aegeus goes crazy. Aegeus says, my lord, this is my daughter here asleep, and this Lysander, this Demetrius is, this Helena, old Netter's Helena. I wonder of their being here together. And Theseus says, no doubt they rose up early to observe the rite of May, and hearing our intent came here in grace of our solemnity. Mm. You know, they probably came for the same reason we came, and they heard we were going to come, so they wanted to sort of honor us as we honored a May morning. Right. There's another timing problem here, that I didn't get to mention before. So timing problem number one, it's not midsummer. Right. At all. Timing problem number two, remember way back at the beginning of the play, Theseus said, it's going to be four days till my wedding? Mm-mm. Okay, so way back at the beginning of the play, he was saying how slow this old moon wanes. He said, and he said it's going to be four days mm. right at the top of the play. Right. Then Lysander said, hey, we'll run away on the next day. So they ran away on like day one of the four days mm. or day two if Theseus meant day one was the one day he was in. Right. Then everything we've seen has taken place in this one magical one night. night. Yeah. And now they're waking up. This is day two or day three in a yeah. charitable estimation. Right. And they're all going to wake up and Theseus is saying, well, it's May 1st already. We're going to get married. So we lost some time here. Shakespeare loses like one to two days here. It's leap year. Yeah. Or, there is, or it's magic, right? They're in the forest, and it was a magical night, so they've been kind of lost in fairyland. Right. Or it's a continuity error. Probably. Yeah, no way to tell. Yeah. Theseus says, But speak, Aegeus, is not this the day that Hermia should give answer of her choice, right? That's, again, indicating that, hey, this, these four days have passed. Hermia has to say what she's going to do now. Mm-hmm. Is she going to marry Demetrius? Is she going to get executed? Or is she going to become a nun? Mm. Remember, those were her choices. That's right. She had to make a choice. And Aegeus says, it is, my lord. And Theseus says, go bid the huntsmen wake them with their horns. So exit an attendant and, you know, there's, there's horns again. They, so they, instead of just like shaking the lovers, they have to wake them up with horns. Set off, yeah, you set off the horns. And then you got hounds going already. Yeah, the hounds are going. Right. The horns blast and the lovers wake up. (laughs) 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 And Theseus says, good morrow, friends. St. Valentine is past. Begin these wood birds but to couple now? So St. Valentine's Day is back in February. Right. Why are you guys coupling up now? Right? Isn't it a little late to be 
picking your lover? Yeah, it's a long story. Lysander says, pardon, my lord. And all the lovers kneel before him, and he tells them to stand up. And he looks at Demetrius and Lysander, and he says, I know you two are rival enemies. How comes this gentle concord in the world that hatred is so far from jealousy to sleep by hate and fear no enmity? How are you guys sleeping next to one another? I thought you hated one another. Because it's a long story. Right. The the fucking um, guy, we were chasing the guy around in the woods, and then we got tired. (laughs) Yeah, that that wasn't that long, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Lysander says, My lord, I shall reply amazedly, half sleep, half waking. But as yet, I swear, I cannot truly say how I came here. But as I think, for truly what I speak, and now I do bethink me, so it is, I came with Hermia hither. Our intent was to be gone from Athens where we might without the peril of the Athenian law. Mm. So he, he says here, if I remember correctly, I ran away with Hermia. I don't know why we're all sleeping here. Right. Aegeus says, enough, enough, my lord, you have enough. I beg the law, the law upon his head. They would have stolen away, they would, Demetrius, thereby to have defeated you and me, you of your wife and me of my consent, of my consent that she should be your wife. Mm. So she, he was, he's, he's going to chop his head off. Yeah, I mean, they were running away from the law. Yeah. Aegeus has begged the law, right? I, he says, I beg the law, the law upon his head. Mm. And Demetrius says to Theseus, My lord, fair Helen told me of their stealth. Of this their purpose hither to this wood. Mm. And I in fury hither followed them. Fair Helena in fancy following me. But my good lord, I wot not by what power. But by some power it is. My love to Hermia melted as the snow. Seems to me now as the remembrance of an idle god which in my childhood I did dote upon. And all the faith, the virtue of my heart, the object and the pleasure of mine eye is only Helena. Again, he's referring to his love for Hermia seems to him an idle god, which in my childhood I did dote upon. This was the same thing Lysander said when mm-hmm. he get, when he first got love potion. Remember, he was saying to Helena, oh, I was just a kid when I loved Hermia. I didn't have reason yet. Right. And this is kind of how it feels when you wake up from love, right? When you were in love with someone mm-hmm. and then you're not anymore, you're like, what the fuck was I thinking? What was I fucking thinking? Yeah. yeah because so, love distorts perception. Yeah, that... It usually takes a long time to get to that point. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, it takes a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. It just, you know. With the love potion, you wake up and you feel that immediately. You're like, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. Right, right. And now he wants to be betrothed to Helena. He says, to her, my lord, was I betrothed ere I saw Hermia. But like a sickness did I loathe this food. But as in health come to my natural tastes, now I do wish it, love it, and long for it. So he loved Helena before he loved Hermia. Mm. Remember we heard about that, that he was fucking around with Helena first. That's right. And then ditched out on her. That's why she's madly in love with him. Right. And he's saying, like a sickness did I loathe this food. You know, I didn't, she was coming on to me and I I loathed it. I was disgusted by it. Like a sickness did I loathe this food. Yeah. That's not nice. No. No. He says now he's come to his natural taste, and he does wish it, love it, long for it, Mm. and will forevermore be true to it. Yeah. 
he was having Burger King before, and now he's got a Michelin star restaurant. Right. I was going to say McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Clearly better. <laughs> yeah. There's a really important moment I want to linger on for a second here. Mm. Aegeus has demanded the law. And if you remember, that's what Theseus represents. He's the duke. Right. He represents the law. Right. But in my read of the play, at the beginning of the play, during the day in Athens when Hermia and Lysander fled, we're, we were kind of seeing that the law has some problems. Right. Right. These two people are in love and the law can't permit it. It's too rigid. Mm. for love to flourish. Yeah. So they run away. Right. And then we saw that in the woods, where feminine kind of energy is in ascendance, love was just too chaotic. There were yeah. no rules. Right. Everybody was falling in and out of love with everyone else. Mm. But now on the cosmic plane, Oberon and Titania have danced. So masculine and feminine are in order. Aegeus has demanded the law from Theseus. That's the masculine answer, right? Well, mm. the rules are he ran away from the law. We've got to behead him. Right. But Theseus, I think this is the turning point of the play where we see that masculine and feminine are aligned on earth. Theseus says, fair lovers, you are fortunately met. Mm. Of this discourse, we more will hear anon. Aegeus, I will overbear your will, for in the temple by and by with us, these couples shall eternally be knit. When he says, I will overbear your will, he's saying to Aegeus, overruled. Game of pass. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to pass these kids. So Theseus right. is breaking the rules. Right. So in this moment, we can see that masculine and feminine are, or yin and yang energy are kind of aligned on earth because Titania and Oberon are dancing. Right. Theseus, the guy who represents the rules, is like, eh, we don't have to kill anybody. Let's just, uh, let's all go get married. Yeah. He says, and for the morning now is something worn. Our purposed hunting shall be set aside. Away with us to Athens. Three and three will hold a feast in great solemnity. Mm. Come, Hippolyta. So exit Theseus, Hippolyta, Aegeus, and his train. Everybody, we leave the four lovers there. Right. I wanted to, to stick with that moment for a second. When Theseus breaks the rules, when he says, you know what? Fuck the law. Mm. I think that's a very important moment. I think that is where Shakespeare loves binaries. We've talked about that a little bit. Um, disharmony, right? And in order to create a good play, a satisfying play, by the end of the play, you need union. And of course, this is a comedy, right? So a comedy goes from apart to together. Right. A tragedy goes from together to apart, right? It, everything crumbles to shit and everybody dies. Right. So that's a tragedy is watching things dissolve. Right. A comedy is watching things come together. Coming together. Right? There's problems and difficulties, but eventually you're going to meet in the middle. And what's come together here is the impulse, the yang energy mm -hmm. of rules and order and daytime and logic. Right. And the yin energy of nighttime and magic and femininity. Yeah. So these things have come together in this one moment for Theseus where he says... Fuck the rules. Let's all go get married. Mm. Now, 
we were talking about day and night a lot before, and I think it's important to watch how day and night move over the play. The first scene is during the day in Athens. That's our capital of rules and order Mm -hmm. and masculinity. Acts two and three, where we've been watching everybody run around the woods at night, that's night. Yeah. So we've only been in Athens during the day, and we've been in the woods at night. Shakespeare, when we go into Act four, flips the script. Now we're in the woods, but it's daytime. Right. And then in Act five, we're going to be in Athens by night. Oh, cool. We get some more. Yeah. Okay. So sun and moon, order and disorder, the two things are joined. We're Mm. in the woods, the place of disorder, but the sun is shining, and Theseus is there. Theseus. They'll accuse him of treason. Yeah. For what? For breaking the law. Yeah, well, they can't accuse him of anything. He's the duke. Oh. He's in charge. He has, you know. He can break the law. He can break the law. He makes the law. He's the duke. And he shows his wisdom here. He's, He's a wholly wise character in this play. He shows his wisdom in ending the rules this one time. He's looking at the four lovers and saying, this kind of worked out. Demetrius is in love with Helena. Right. Lysander's in love with Hermia. Right. I'm in love with Hippolyta. Yeah. Let's go have a triple wedding. Save a little bit of money. Yeah. Save money on the hall. Yeah. You got to feed a lot of people, but everybody's chipping in. Yeah. And you're going to need some entertainment. Yeah. We're going to see that in Act 5. Yeah. The entertainment is going to be the mechanicals play. Right. We're right at the end of scene one. So Theseus has left. And we have our four lovers there. They're standing there. They just woke up. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what the fuck just happened? Right. Demetrius says, these things seem small and undistinguishable, like far off mountains turned into clouds. Mm. These things he's trying to remember. He's like, I can't. They're like far off mountains and the clouds are over them. I can't quite remember what the fuck happened. It's like an alien abduction. Yeah, exactly. Remember when, when they got like the the magical sleep from the fairy music? That was fairy anesthesia. Right. It just rubbed their memories. Hermia right. says, "Methinks I see these things with parted eye when everything seems double." Right? Hermia is thinking back to the night before, and she sees the things with a parted eye when everything seems double. Parted she's eye. she's got double vision when she tries to remember what happened last night. Mm. It's like she was drunk, right? And they're just trying to. Yeah, that's no good when you wake up and you have to piece things together. Yeah. yeah that's not good. Not that, a good feeling. <laughs> that's where the four young lovers are. They're like, what the fuck just happened? Not a good feeling. Demetrius yeah. asks them, he says, are you sure that we're awake? It seems to me that yet we sleep, we dream. Do not you think the Duke was here and bid us follow him? Like, wasn't Theseus just here? Yeah. Hermia says, yeah, and my father. And Helena goes, And Hippolyta. Mm. And Lysander goes, and he did bid us follow to the temple. Right. So they're like, wait wait a minute. Are we dreaming? Was Theseus just here with my dad and Hippolyta? Why was my dad here? (laughs) Why are we going to a wedding? Yeah. Yeah. Theseus said, let's go to a wedding together. And then they left. So they're all just kind of looking at each other confused. Right, right. And Demetrius says, why then? We are awake. Let's follow him. And by the way, let's recount our dreams. Exunt the lovers. They all, they're going to walk back to Athens and kind of try to piece together what the fuck happened. Got a journal. Yeah. Got a journal. Want to understand your dreams, you got to write that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've only got one person left on the stage. Oh, who's that? Do, do the mental math. Who do we got left? 
the fairies have left. Oh, the donkey. Yeah, Theseus yeah. is left. The lovers and, have left. And they never fixed his head. No, they fixed his head, remember? We talked oh, about that. We took about that like five minutes ago. Tom Tom Holland. Tom Holland? Tom Bottom. D- Nick Bottom. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Bottom, a.k.a. Henry Winkler. Right, Henry. Oh, and I figured out why I made that association. It's from the show Barry, and he's like the acting coach. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, it all makes sense, folks, eventually. Yeah. Bottom wakes up. Everybody's gone. Do you remember his deal way back at the beginning of the play? Like he wanted to do a one-man show. He wanted to play all the parts. Yeah, yeah. He's like, Bottom thinks he is the most amazing actor in the world. Mm -hmm. And of course, he's a dummy. Shakespeare's like making fun of actors here too. Fun. He's like, this fucking guy thinks he's really good. Bottom wakes up and says... He just kind of like starts out and says, when my cue comes, call me and I will answer. Uh, my next is most fair Pyramus. So he, he's still talking as if he was like right in the middle of his play mm-hmm. rehearsing. And he goes, hi-ho, Peter Quince, flute the bellows mender, snout the tinker, starveling, God's my life, stolen hence and left me asleep. So he's waking up there. Where's my friends? Yeah, uh, th- Where is everybody? He named, he named some people I don't remember from. Oh, Peter Quince is the leader. Remember, Flute the Bellows him. Mender is playing Thisbe in the beard. I don't remember the Bellows Mender. What did I get caught up on before that? Snug the Joiner. You thing. really liked Snug the Joiner. Hey. Oh, that's fucking Jason that, that's Statham. Jason Statham yes. <laughs> He's not here again? No. He, well, he doesn't call him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's a, he doesn't really care about Snug. I'm here. No one's calling me. <laughs> I'm right next to you, not even call my name. <laughs> Bottom, <laughs> bottom is by himself, and he says, I have had a most rare vision. I have had a dream past the wit of man to say what dream it was. Man is but an ass if he go about to expound this dream. Methought I was, uh, there is no man can tell what. Methought I was, and methought I had, but man is but a patched fool if he will offer to say what methought I had. The eye of man hath not heard, the ear of man hath not seen. Man's hand is not able to taste, his tongue to conceive, nor his heart to report what my dream was. So Bottom is blown away. He's woken up with this dream mm-hmm. that he had a donkey's head, right. and the fairy queen was in love with him. Right. And he's like, holy shit. Mm. And he's really jazzed. This is inspiration. He says, I will get Peter Quince to write a ballad of this dream. Right. It shall be called Bottom's Dream, because it hath no bottom. That's great. Bottom's Dream is like a nice little bar. Yeah. Yeah. There's a joke in there, too. He says, it's called Bottom's Dream because it it hath no bottom, meaning it's this infinite, he's saying it's this infinitely deep dream, but also it hath no bottom could mean like there's no foundation. It's not really a good story. Yeah. Wonderful. And he says, and I will sing it in the latter end of a play before the Duke. Peradventure, to make it the more gracious, I shall sing it at her death. Right when Thisbe dies in the play, I will sing this song Peter Quince is going to write called Bottom's Dream Mm. about this crazy dream I had. And he walks off, and that's the end of scene one. Everybody back to Athens. So he's got a plan. Yeah, to make Peter Quince write Bottom's Dream. Great. I mean, most people... Wake up from a dream and don't do anything. You just forget it. 
Or you remember it and don't pay heed to it. What is it? The bat the bat the ballad of the endless bottom. That's even better. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. The ballad of the endless bottom. Yeah. No, it's called a uh, bottom's dream. <sighs> yeah. That's what you name like a little bar you open up when you retire. Mm-hmm. You know. On the beach. Yeah. Scene two, we're back in Athens. Mm. It's daytime. And we've got Peter Quince, Flute, Snout, and Starveling. Flute. Basically, we've got everybody except for Nick Bottom and Snug the Joiner. Still no Snug the Joiner. <laughs> he didn't even show up. No. <laughs> he's, he, he's pissed off. He's not, he's <laughs> not there. And they're panicking, dude. It's Theseus's wedding night. They were about to put on their play, which they didn't even really get to rehearse because Bottom came out of the woods with an ass head and everybody ran away. Right. And Quince is panicking. He says, have you sent to Bottom's house? Is he come home yet? Starveling says, he cannot be heard of. Out of doubt, he is transported. He's transported. Uh, Starveling is suggesting he's been taken away. to. F- he's been abducted by aliens, dude. Like right. he's not coming back. Yeah. When he says he's transported, it means he's in the fairy realm. He's been sucked into magic land. Yeah. He's probably a full donkey by now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Flute says, if he come not, then the play is marred. It goes not forward, doth it? Right? We can't do this play without Nick Bottom. And Quint says, it is not possible. You have not a man in all Athens able to discharge Pyramus but he. Mm. I love that. Peter Quince is saying, there's not a single man in this entire city who could play Pyramus. Without Bottom, we're done. Yeah, he's the best we have. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's actually pretty funny. Yeah. He's like the Daniel Day-Lewis of Athenian woodworkers. Right, right. Yeah, this whole thing's going to go to shit if we don't have Daniel Day-Lewis here. That's when Snug the Joiner comes in. He's like, I can do it. Don't worry about it. He comes in and he says, Masters, the Duke is coming from the temple, and there is two or three lords and ladies more married. If our sport had gone forward, we had all been made men. The Duke is about to get married with two or with some more people, mm-hmm. and he says, if our sport had gone forward, if we actually had our play, we had all been made men. Yeah. Right? We were gonna, this was going to be it. Yeah. Everybody's this, there. This was our big shot. And Flute is lamenting. Mm-hmm. He says, oh, sweet bully bottom, thus hath he lost sixpence a day during his life. 
He could not have escaped sixpence a day. And the Duke had not given him sixpence a day for playing Pyramus. I'll be hanged. Right? So poor Bottom, he was going to get sixpence a day after the Duke saw him play Pyramus. Mm -hmm. Right? He was going to be on like a royal pension. He was going to play it so well. Mm -hmm. And Flute says he would have deserved it. Sixpence a day in Pyramus or nothing. It's good money. Yeah. I like that. I like how Snug says they were going to be made men. It's like gangster. Right. Right. They were about to get, this was their shot at the stars. Put on this version of Pyramus and Thisbe before the Duke and mm-hmm. these other people getting married. They're all going to be getting royal pensions. Their, their right. life as mechanicals is over. Yeah. They've made it. It was going to be a really great production. Mm-hmm. So, so back, back in the day when you did something super entertaining, you just got backed up and like, that was it. Yeah. I mean, Shakespeare was ran a theater so obviously he needed money coming in mm-hmm. but he also at various times had royal patronage right like i think uh his theater company was originally called the lord chamberlain's men because mm-hmm. the lord chamberlain this guy was given him money they had like uh public funding right and then later they became the king's men king james the king would send shakespeare money to run his theater right oh wow okay. so yeah he had royal patronage so the um what was the first guy's name before the king? Oh, uh, the Lord Chamberlain. Lord Chamberlain. He was just like cleaning up some money, probably. Yeah, he was like, eh, "I'll get this to the theater, or else the IRS is gonna like take it." Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotta spend it. <laughs> That's what Flute is talking about. Them getting royal pensions, right? If their play is really good, and that's where Bottom comes in. Bottom says, "Where are these lads? Where are these hearts?" Happy day. They're all, Bottom, almost courageous day, almost happy hour. And Bottom says, Masters, I am to discourse wonders, but ask me not what. For if I tell you I am not true Athenian, I will tell you everything right as it fell out. And Quint says, let us hear, sweet Bottom, right? Like, what, what happened to you? Mm-hmm. And Bottom says, not a word of me, right? I'm, I'm not going to say anything yet. All that I will tell you is that the Duke hath dined. Get your apparel together, good strings to your beards, new ribbons to your pumps. Meet presently at the palace. Every man look over his part, for the short and the long is, our play is preferred. Mm. In any case, let this be have clean linen, and let not him that plays the lion pare his nails, for they shall hang out for the lion's claws. And, most dear actors, eat no onions nor garlic, for we are to utter sweet breath, and I do not doubt but to hear them say it is a sweet comedy. No more words. Away. Go away. I love that, too. He, he recommends them. He's like, let's not eat onions or garlic because right. we're going to utter sweet breath. And they're going to say this is such a sweet comedy. Of course, their play is actually a tragedy. Mm. It ends with all the characters dying, but they right. don't seem to get that. Yeah. <laughs> they think this is going to be a great comedy for everybody. As long as they're not scared of the lion or the killing, which, remember... Um, Nick Bottom is going to get a prologue to read where he mm. says that he's not actually, don't worry, I'm not actually Pyramus. Right. And I'm not actually killing Thisbe. Right. And then Snug the Joiner's got to come out and take the lion mask off and That's go, right. away. Yeah. Please go away. I'm not really a lion. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if Jason Statham sounds like that. Yeah. Why does Jason Statham figure that later? We're pretty much, we're getting close to the end. I should have got this Jason Statham. Together. Yeah, we were sleeping on that. That's right. 
Snow. Hit us up, Pete.